This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to another episode of the Winning Plays Podcast. With Brian Robb, I'm Rich Levine. And we're short Michael Pena today, but like the Celtics, we're going to move forward shorthanded and talk about this team now a month into the season. Uh, we're talking about Kyrie Irving's non-return to Boston. We'll talk about the Boston Celtics hunting for a big man. But first, we're going to ask you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Please follow us on Twitter. That's at WinningPlaysPod. Shout out to CLNS Media. Shout out to BetOnline.ag. And B-Rob, uh, that was pretty fun at the Garden last night. We're doing this on Tuesday. So a one point went over the Kings. A little bit of revenge for what happened in Sacramento. But uh, they, they kind of needed that one, coming coming home after that, that, that road trip, huh? Yeah, they, you know, you... They gave themselves some leeway for error, obviously, with the way they started in the 10-game winning streak. But, yeah, I mean, Kings were shorthanded, too. You have them on a back-to-back at home. And I know you're down three starters, but you still, you know, you still need to win that game if you want to keep pace in the absolutely, you know, loaded top of the Eastern Conference right now. So they took care of business. They got some, you know, a great performance from Tremont Waters and um, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. And... Got it done, and now they get to wait for a Nets team that is playing a lot better without Kyrie Irving lately, um, which has come against inferior <laughs> opponents, which is a, a disclaimer, but uh, still noteworthy nonetheless. And speaking of uh, playing well, congratulations on scoring as many points as Joel Embiid last night. That yeah, was impressive. wow. I, I caught that today. <laughs> um, that's a whole... We'll, we'll tackle that. We'll tackle the Sixers, I feel like, in a separate podcast, but that's... Uh, that's not uh, that's, their whole. That whole team is an interesting situation right now. I feel like, and uh, and I know we, we mentioned that that Michael that Michael's not with us today, and you, you're going to bring on a special guest a little bit later. Is that right? Yes, that's right. We have uh, so to make up for Mike's absence, we'll have a bonus uh, guest. We don't have guests a lot on the on the Winning Please podcast, but uh, old partner in crime at Celtics of Brennan Jackson, who has recently uh, revived the Celtics Hub podcast, um, will be joining us for the second half of this pod to talk all things season Kyrie and definitely make sure you give the Celtics Hub podcast a subscription on iTunes or wherever you uh, listen to your podcast and just to you know fill the time between winning place episode coming out but always good stuff on there with him and Randy Gamma. So so what do you think like if this is if it were the playoffs Kyrie Irving's playing, obviously, but when did he decide he wasn't? Because because obviously they were in Cleveland last night, right? This is this is like when the schedule comes out. This is what Kyrie like probably looks at right away. <laughs> and do you think he starts planning that shoulder injury at that I, point? I don't think he starts planning it that early. I do think though, when things don't start right for the Nets out of the gate, usually there's like we both of us predicted. I think a honeymoon period for Kyrie, uh, which turned out to be one month. game, a one fifty right. point game, <laughs> right? But once, uh, you know, things got kind of haywire in that trip and you could always already see some like early frustration coming out with him as they, you know, struggled going out west, that Nets team, I think they were, I want to say they were four and seven at one point. Then, yeah, then this, uh, this became, you know, uh, an injury two weeks, popping up two weeks before this trip uh, to Boston does not seem like a surprise at all. And honestly, for it might just be something that the Nets, we're just as well happy to, you know, deflect, um, which I'm not sure is a great move since it's just going to carry the storyline on another like four or five months because the Nets don't come back to Boston until March. But at the same time, with them trying to get some footing, they've won four in a row now, albeit against crappy teams. Like it, it kind of it's not a surprise for all parties involved, I'll say. And it's maybe not a bad thing for all parties that he's not showing up. I'm not sure that would have been a great look for the uh, for the guard. And, and I know Celtics fans would have loved to to give it to him, and maybe he deserves it. But it's probably better for everybody that that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, it it was going to be the the Wednesday before Thanksgiving crowd would have been a rowdy one, I think. So that, yeah, so that will. Uh, but it could have been. I mean, you know, I don't think there would have been anything beyond some. A lot of chanting and booing, but uh, the atmosphere would have been crazy. But you know, it's uh, now the focus will be more on the game itself, I think. Um, and luckily, the Celtics have kind of created a an environment where there's it's a fun group to watch already, plenty this year, and um, they're obviously but, in the thick of it. 
uh, unluckily, maybe if you had your choice, maybe you'd prefer Kyrie Irving's Nets to uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's Nets. I mean, you're gonna, it's going to be a tougher defense, that's for sure. I think that's uh, that's the, the this uh, latest version of the Nets over the last week and a half. Um, but yeah, Dinwiddie is also kind of playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, and it's like if you if if you if you'd rather if you have Kyrie and DeAndre versus Dinwiddie and and Jared Allen the way he played last night, I mean maybe maybe you you probably prefer the the guys that that they paid what what would they give fifty for for DeAndre and uh, and whatever for Kyrie, but um, I don't know where 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 should, where should we go from here because maybe Kyrie doesn't deserve too much. Uh, we, we gave him top billing, I think that's enough. If he was actually showing up, maybe he deserves a little bit more. But um, I don't know. A month into the season. The Celtics are the second seed now in the East. Uh, Milwaukee has kind of woken up. It was interesting that that Middleton goes down and they sort of hit their stride. And I haven't really looked at their schedule much. Have they have they won some tough games? Yeah, they've been. You know, I think it's been a mix of easy ones, but they've played ten road games and they beat the Jazz at home last night. So yeah, it's by no means a you know a walkover stretch. And Middleton actually just uh, said he's going to be back tomorrow night, so that that absence is done. Okay. Um, so they, I mean, it's no surprise here that they are clear-cut number one in the East. I think everyone projected that or expected that, at least in this group, except for, was it Mike who wanted, who had the Sixers as one? For yeah, Mike, Mike uh, since Pena's not here, we can talk shit. Yeah, well, we'll talk uh, shit he, he was very, very down on the Bucks. I think. But, I, I, you know, I think what I had said is regular season-wise, I, I thought that they were going to come out at the start and maybe in, take control just because they had the least to sort of, they had the most continuity from last year. And uh, that's kind of showing itself a little bit. But um, the Celtics are are two. And, you know, Philly, Philly's just tough, right? I mean, 11 and six is, is, is nothing to sneeze at. But um, you got to assume that they're still, they're still the team, I think, at their best that I fear the most. And I think that's probably, is that, is that where you stand? Where, what? You know, it's, yeah, I think from a matchup-wise right now, for the Celtics' current roster, you have to, just because of their length and stuff. But I do think they are still just a flawed team offensively right now. And sometimes in the wrong matchup defensively when they, you know, when you need to, when you if you have speedy guards or speedy guys at multiple positions, not the Celtics don't really pose that full problem yet across the board compared to some, you know, because they obviously don't have the super-duper star to give a team like the Sixers headaches. But, I mean, against Toronto, I mean, Toronto beat Philly last night without half their starting five. And Philly right. was at full strength. So, like, Toronto's, given how much better Siakam is this year, on top of his improvement from last year, they still look like a force. I mean, the Heat are 12-4. and four. They're, you know, seem to be just playing to Eric Spolstra's, you know, system perfectly and the east is it's pretty top heavy and it's honestly you might have like more top tier contenders in the east than the 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 west when it's all said and done yeah i don't i don't know i don't i don't know or at least more threat more threats to i should say i rephrase it more threats to go to the finals in the east than the west like sure okay yeah no like the the, the top tier is thinner in the West, They're, the teams are better out West, but there's not as many teams in the top tier out, out West. I feel like. Yeah, that Toronto is interesting. I mean, obviously, it seems like Marcus Sol uh, has something on Joel Embiid. <laughs> I mean, I, I still can't get over o for o for eleven, o for three from the from the line, and 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 four of those eleven shots were three pointers, which is uh, you know, if you're the opposing team, you'll take that every time. Um, but yeah, so the thing is, like, do the Celtics have anyone like can can uh, Daniel Tice to do to Joel Embiid what Marcus Ole did last night. Uh, that'd be a no, <laughs> but I mean, Embiid was the one guy. He actually didn't have a good game in the opener against the season. Not that they means anything in the big picture, but it just looking at the whole Celtics first month here, Rich. And I mean, you saw them a couple games live for the first time all year when they came out West for you. Sure. Um, what I, I talked to Mike about this, I think a little bit last week, but I'm curious to get your take. Like, what what do you think this team like? You know, they're clearly top heavy. The talent at the top of the roster has been terrific, but there are clear holes on the roster that the front out office is well aware of. Right. So, like, what do you feel like 
you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the big stuff, but like, what do you think this team actually needs the most right now? Not just for a matchup with the Sixers, but just to, to be considered, to be able to give a good fight against Milwaukee or whoever else in the, uh, you know, yeah, conference I, semis. Yeah. So. I think that they need an Al Horford type of player, obviously not on that, on that Al Horford contract, but yeah, they, they, they need a big, because, and I love, I've, I said this, I say this every podcast, I think I, I, we all, we all love Marcus Smart out there guarding Jokic, right? We love him battling Giannis. We love him stepping up from the, for those few possessions and like, and guarding the big, but that's just not going to work in a seven game series. You need, and if it's, if it, and I don't know if Cantor needs to play himself with some better shape or, I mean, do you think we've, I mean, hopefully we haven't seen the better, the, the best of him so far, but like how much better can he be? How much more active can he be defensively? Cause if not, I just don't, you know, and, and time Lord, obviously, uh, in spots is great, but I still don't think he's the guy that's going to buckle down at this point in his career and, and be, and not necessarily even looking for a stopper, but someone that could can just control the the boards a little bit, control the post a little bit more. Um, the question is, who is that person? Right. Right. I honestly yeah. think. I mean, it's hard to fully. You know, we haven't seen Hayward for a couple of weeks now, so it's easy to forget him at times when you're we're valuing this team in the present. But part of me thinks like you're not going to do much better than Tice in terms of what this team is willing, as far as like a big goes, in terms of what this team has to realistically trade, if you know what I mean. Like, right. he's 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 a, he's obviously the size of the flaw, and against Embiid, it's, you know, you're going to have to explore other options. I mean, Cantor might just be, you know, the guy you lean on a lot in that series and just hope that Embiid takes a bunch of threes um, that Cantor will be happy to let him take because he's not going to market the three-point line. But... I'm almost of the mind that this team, you're just better off getting, you know, a versatile wing or guard that can shoot. Like someone, because I think this bench just needs reliable shooting right now. And, you know, Brad Wanger played really well. Marcus Smart obviously has been pushed into the starting five. But outside of that, there's been really no one you can count on for reliable offense right now. And that, again, when you get, we saw on the West Coast trip, like, you get exposed against really good teams that can defend when you don't really have that option. What do you think? Uh, what you like Gallinari? You like like Gallinari or, or I mean, Kevin Love is probably the contract is absurd. Right. But like I mean, who 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 are those guys? We're talking like. So like, I'm a, honestly like Rich. Like I'd honestly maybe take a. It's going to depend who falls out of it. Like if the Spurs like don't recover in the next month or two. There's a lot of intriguing names on that roster that are, you know, making mid-range money, five to ten million dollars. Is this? Is, are you bringing up Bertans again? I'm not. No, no. He, oh, he's I mean, not watching. He's, he's not watching. But yes, he would be a target. Absolutely. <laughs> who, um, who, are the, who are the guys on? Did you hear the uh, Gordon Hayward for Lamarcus Aldridge rumor? By the way, I did not hear that. <laughs> would you like a, to unhear it? I would. Yeah, it's a hard pass on that one. Um, um, so who, who, who's like like Rudy Gay? Are we talking about? So I mean, he's he's available. He's got. 14 mil um I, I mean i don't think pop loves him so i doubt he becomes available but could you imagine patty mills in this team like yeah but like but, he, but he, even even he's like he's almost like a like a carson edwards kind of guy where he disappears for 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 a week at a time he's a lot I mean? better than pat i mean he's also averaging a career high 11 points per game and shooting 45 percent from three okay so that's like good. Forty-five percent is nice. Yeah. So I mean, and that's just a savvy. And you again, you hope that Carson Edwards shows that he can be this guy. The team was obviously hoping they were gonna he was gonna be that by based on summer league and his soft preseason, but it just it hasn't translated yet. And so when you're looking at this season and you're looking at a wide, uh, potentially wide open Eastern Conference, you know you need to have. I feel like to to give this team a realistic chance, you're gonna have to give them you know, more of a shot with a veteran guy. And then you have, I mean, Bryn Forbes is an expiring contract, like Bellinelli. There's just a lot of guys here that of varying prices that all are playoff tested and would know how to play. So that's a team that would not expect it to be a seller, obviously, before the season started. But um, I keep a close eye on them there 
as far as because they do have a lot they just have a lot of excess guys anyway there so that teams might be looking for a shakeup as is and do you think that given given Danny Ainge's interview with, with ESPN today you think you might be a little bit more inclined to to make a move this year you, you so I, don't know, to, I don't know if you want to bring that up yeah so he had a one-on-one of Rachel Nichols and this is something we talked about a ton last year in terms of you know shaking things up just to shake things up at the trade deadline or just over the course of any point of the year last year. And Ainge flat out admitted in this interview, you know, upon being asked if he had any regrets, he said, quote, I think that in hindsight, we should have cleaned out the roster a little bit to make it easier for Brad to more joy for him to coach. And quote, it just didn't mesh, you know, it just didn't. And I knew, and we talked about it. So he goes on, you know, the, they were rolling going into the all-star break 37-21 had won a bunch of beaten up on a wheat schedule and it seemed like Ainge bought into that you know took the bait on that stretch without you know maybe going with his gut which told him that you know this wasn't working um now it is I mean this group obviously is working rich but I don't think either I mean you don't think this is there's not enough talent here obviously to get out of the Eastern Conference would you say at this point can you say that definitively no, no way. I, 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 th- I think there is. I mean, I, I obviously it depends because, really? because again, we're, we're, I don't know how many games it's been now since Gordon has left, right? Because that, I mean, his his playmaking that's probably the most underrated thing that that you forget about where he was as a player, is especially when as we're realizing like Kemba Walker. By the way, wh- when do you think Kemba will will be back on the court? If you had a if you had a guess, right? uh, probably. I'm guessing Friday. Friday. Okay, man. I mean, I, I think everyone would have signed up for Friday after, uh, after seeing what happened in Denver. But uh, you know, now that you know, it's clear that you know Kemba maybe isn't. He's 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 sort of a shooting guard in a point guard's body. He's sort of like a Lou Williams kind of guy. And the and the Celtics, I think, miss Gordon Hayward's playmaking. So his return, uh, and they still how, how many games have they had J- Jalen and, and Gordon even together? Like three or four? Even if it was even that much. And, and, the, and one of them, Jalen, got four fouls in the first nine minutes. So I, what I'm saying is that like, I, don't, I still don't think we've seen the best of what the Celtics can be. Um, it does worry me that, you know, that lack of, a, of, a, of an extra big man. You know, when you get to the playoffs, when you talk about how, how, how just long the Bucks are, you know, how big the Sixers are when they're at their best with Embiid and Horford. So the like Raptors that, too. What's that? And the Raptors. Like, and the Raptors, and yeah. And, and for some reason, I, you know, I don't know if it was just what, what I saw in that that one game earlier in the year would be ridiculous to make any grand uh, assumptions based on that one game. But I do feel like the Celtics are, are a, a notch above the Raptors this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think where there are hopefully some spots where they can, where they can toughen up a little bit. I, I think it's possible that they, that they could get out of the East. It, it depends on, on Tatum maybe taking another step and everyone sort of clicking together. But with, with the, with what we've seen from them, with, with what we know, about this team right now, their 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 willingness to play together, their ability to play together, just the general lack of uh, toxicity on that team. You know, I think that if they can get, they're obviously going to get to the playoffs, and then they hit their stride. I, I think that they could sneak sneak out of the East. See, I think it's more of a depth issue. Like I like those guys are. I don't think they could have played much better in these first six. I mean, obviously you haven't had all the bodies, but you're seeing. You know, you have a team that has what five or six rookies on it, and right. a couple of those rookies aren't just aren't playable um, in a regular season game. But maybe and now, so, you know, maybe this is their rookie year. Maybe maybe they just need to to live and learn a little bit. And maybe if just one or two of those guys, maybe they just say one of them emerges. Um, I don't know who that necessarily. Right, who's be. that going to be though? Like that's we've kind of seen. I don't know. I think we've seen a lot of. We got a pretty good sample size here now. And right. yeah, Carson Edwards could start making shots. Grant he- Williams definitely needs to make a shot. I was going to uh, say, forget <laughs> shots. For, forget shots. <laughs> Just um, but but maybe I don't know because if he because you got to figure what did, what what did he shoot in, in in college from three? I mean, did did he? It was shoot? respectable. Yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, he didn't take many, but I think he shot. It was the thirties. It was definitely a. It was respectable. So it's like that's going to come around, obviously, and that's you know that's probably someone you're going to count on a lot. But if you just look again, I do think it's honestly an offensive issue. You there, there is no one in that group that you can count on for liable offense. And then you, you go on down to Ojale 
to um, Cantor. You can he's he's not going to help you from the perimeter, and he's going to obviously be a liability defensively um, anytime he's out there, unless he's guarding a a big that doesn't take threes. And so I just think having one extra guy, having a seventh or an eighth man, will would that you can that can hit a three that just knows how to play, um, could potentially just really be a difference maker and you can probably get that guy without you know with a first round pick not the even the Memphis pick just like one of your right extra picks and find enough salary to make it work but I just I just think that having that luxury would take a lot of onus off of um the starters and just make the rotations that much easier for when you know the big games come up are there any other guys besides those Spurs and and uh, and Bertans that that are on your radar? Um, you know, do you like anyone on the Warriors? That they're obviously going to be entirely for sale. I don't think anyone's on that. Yeah, I mean, Burks is interesting. He's always so tempting, and 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 he's he's shown this in spurts over his career where he looks right. like he might be a real player, and then he does get traded, and and maybe just just fails to. Uh, to get back in the groove, but no, I mean, I don't, I don't of, of the guys that might be available, because like they're not t- they're they're not trading Pascal, right? And that, right, I, they're not trading think. any of their good young guys. So yeah, like I would say, there's that's a bad team for a reason. There's no one that's going to really help you there. Um, Memphis, I I don't dare to bring up this name, but Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder. I mean, that, that's worth having a conversation over. Um, I don't know what kind of terms that he and the organization are on. He obviously might have to ask for Gordon Hayward to come off the bench. If he gets Jay <laughs> but, but, that is, that. but that is the type of guy, and he's making $7 million. So that's a very – he will definitely be traded. I'm sure there will actually be a lot of competition for his services around the league from contenders. Right. Um, but that is – I think having a guy like that to play 20 minutes off the bench would be a big boost. And then – Another former Celtic, I know I brought him up a while back, but like, you know, each one more. That's a shooter like that to come off the bench to play 20 minutes to spread the floor that you can, you know, he has no, he played for Doc Rivers, obviously, which is kind of crazy to think he's been in the league that long. Um, good, good for each one, by the way. I and mean, what's yeah. about like carving out a career, right? And he was, and he was uh, the first round pick. Where's, where's Jawan Johnson? That's a really good question. I think we've looked this up on the on the podcast before. We'll have to do um, a yearly update on Juwan. That should maybe be a segment. We could probably get him on the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. But but so who's so who's not playing? Uh, who's lose? Who, who's not? Who's not playing anymore? When you bring in Etwan more? I mean, that's he takes like Carson's minutes and probably takes some of Brad Wanamaker's minutes. When he, you know, when you don't need him, um, Sammy, it's just like it's gonna. Those guys are gonna play, but those guys aren't gonna be needed to do as much. So it's gonna be like you need one of those guys every game, because having you know each one and Smart coming off the bench, then you know you have enough offense in that unit there to be respectable, and then you can kind of pack the rest of your lineups with if you want to go defensive minded with time Lord and Grant Williams, or if you want to go for more offensive look, obviously Cantor and another, sh- another shooter. So it really, it will still be some mixing and matching, but I think it would be a nice luxury for Brad Stevens to just get a guy in there that you can count on for some offense. Cause did you like over the past six games, rich, the Celtics, do you want to guess the Celtics' offensive? I mean, obviously injuries have played into this, but what's the Celtics' offensive rating? You want to put a guess? Mm, 98. Or like what rank in the league? Oh, oh. Um, is it like in the, like, like in the 20s? It's, it's dead last. No kidding. So they've had the best defense. They had the best defense in the league on their trip and the worst offense in the league, which was a stat that Sean Grandy found. Um which I think is kind of not a shock based on the personnel. And obviously Gordon Hayward coming back will help that, but I still think offense is going to be 
the bigger issue of this team than defense, um, especially against tough opponents. Yeah, I think. And speaking of speaking of tough opponents, uh, let me tell you that the turkey season this year, Birob and uh, and bet off. Thank goodness. Bet off, <laughs> turkey turkey season is here, and bet online that AG wants to celebrate with you during the massive schedule of college and pro football games on tap this Thanksgiving weekend. You can follow the action at betonline.ag as week 14 of the college season unfolds. The pro schedule is just as packed as Thanksgiving Thursday kicks off week 13. So before this week starts, head over to betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device. Check out the thousands of ways to bet today. Use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Happy Thanksgiving from BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Um, and as we were saying, tough opponents. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, like you said, and, and it's weird to say, like you kind of casually mentioned they're down three starters um, on Monday. That's just one game. One game, and I guess they, they, they've they been down, they were down Gordon, and then, I mean, so it was only a half a game without Kemba, I guess. Right. But, um yeah, and and maybe it, it was bound to happen a little bit after 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 the, that start to the season. You know, I mean, there 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 are ups and downs that to every single NBA season. You're going to go through it. I, I wonder, you know, as we're we're talking about the the guy who's who's been there for almost every game, how many injuries has Marcus is Marcus Smart playing through right now? I think Five bigger, bigger dozen. I, I mean, I, and I know it's like it's it's just Marcus, right? And and everyone loves it. Everyone celebrates his toughness. Um, at some point he, he's going to need to take a little time, you think? Right, and that again, uh, being able to get someone in here, and if they do get, and I do feel like Rich, like if they do make a move, it'll be on the early side, like it'll be December, January, to a get them integrated, and b like you said to give guys like Smart and guys who need rest some rest without having to worry about you know playing you know, just being shorthanded and not being able to manufacture offense. Right. So, you, so you don't, you don't, you don't think it, just getting back to the big men for a sec. Is, is there anyone that, that you're thinking about there? I know you got the, you know, the, the Spurs guys and some of the, the seventh or eighth man scorers, but and we're talking about someone that you can throw in the, in, in the, in the post along with the uh, canter and Tice. Anyone out there that, that is intriguing to you? Not to be honest, not that, really. That, that's realistic, right? That's realistic. Yeah, like there are obviously intriguing names, but as far as like realistic names, I mean, you're gonna there's gonna be some. I think like a stretch. I think they're gonna be looking for a stretch guy as a big more than like an interior big. I think like an interior big that might be someone you go after on the buyout market. Right. Um, if you know someone pops up available there late in the season, but. As far as the bad teams around the league right now, like there's really not a lot of good interior talent there that you would think, uh, short of uh, Michael Penis' favorite Tristan Thompson. Um, yeah. But again, that that's a deal. Like you're not going to trade for that. He makes too much money, and then you look around. And Adams makes too much money. Adams makes too much. Again, all the guys you'd be like, all right, that's the answer. They all make you know close to twenty million dollars or more. So. I think you're so whether they just stick with, but I guess the the other poll here, Rich, I'll ask you, is if you do need to, if you do want to make one of these guys, like, would you have, would you trade, say, I mean, or if you had to trade one guy, Cantor or Tice, obviously, I think it's pretty clear that Cantor is the the more expendable piece on this roster. If yeah, you're upgrading elsewhere is that is that a safe? But would you would you trade him? for like, you know, just help at another position and then kind of try to replace him on the buyout market after fact, would, would that be a step sideways for you for this? Dude? Well, I guess I know I'm not, I'm not, uh, so certain of the, the buyout candidates this year. I mean, I don't know who, I don't know who else. Are there any names that are out there as, as potential guys? I mean, it's too early, like, right. but it's probably going to be, uh, there's probably not gonna be a lot of them. To be honest. I mean, Atlanta's, fallen out of it but they don't really have there's not a lot of guys on expiring deals outside of like maybe cleveland but i expect them to trade tristan as opposed to to buy him out and a lot a lot of these other teams are going there's gonna be plenty of guys that are available there like what like john henson like that might be a right like but what does that do 
I think I'd rather roll with, with Ennis than, than John Henson. Yeah, so in that, in that sense, my answer would be no, I think it's your question. Um, but, you know, I, and I, I think I'm just still holding out that there's a little bit more from, from Cantor. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. And I guess maybe there's a reason that he's been on as many teams as he has been. <laughs> um, you know. I mean, he, he played pretty well Monday night. It's just defensively, it's always going to be, and he can't guard the three-point line. He can't go out there and do it effectively. And so that is always going to be in the back of Brad Stevens' mind, and I feel like he's always going to kind of limit his value to the team in that standpoint, for except for limited stints. What about uh, bringing back Marcus Morris? <laughs> I mean, he's going to... That's probably the best signing the Knicks had this offseason. Um, they should... If they... If they don't auction him off in February, that would be just beyond dumb for them. So they probably will. So they, they, they feel he'll be, he will be there, <laughs> and probably signing a four-year, eighty million dollar contract um, in the off season. But I mean, also first month though to wrap it up. Like, what is this a? What would you? What would be your grade for the first month here? It has to mean is it? Could it be anything other than an A? I mean, this is pretty close to a best case scenario. Yeah, I'll maybe give them A minus. I don't want a them minus. getting their head, getting too too big heads uh, off my grade. No, yeah, I'll say A A minus. I mean, if 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 we were shown the standings right now when the season started, uh, the Celtics, the second seed. Well, I mean, they're they're three way tie for for second when Toronto and Miami, uh, you know, basically like a game and a half behind Milwaukee with already a win over Milwaukee in hand. Uh, that that that's got to be an A, and and again, I, I think that they still have room to improve, which is the most. I mean, they, they, there was that there was that one stretch, the nine game stretch. But did they get did they get to ten? I believe they got to ten. They got to ten. The ten game stretch. I mean that 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 was obviously beautiful, and uh, it's hard to say they can get much better than that. But like in the big picture, as a team, given the injuries, given you know just the games missed in general, I think. Uh, I want to give them some room to improve, and maybe I don't know if if, if we're of the schools that give give A pluses or not, but uh, I'll say an A minus with hope that 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 they're ready for an A around uh, April May because that's when it obviously matters. How about All you? Right. I'm going A. Going A. Uh, injuries, twelve and four despite the injuries they've dealt with. I think, um, you know, they and they they obviously could have they left a couple games on the floor, but they also, you know snuck out some big wins against Toronto and then against Sacramento last night. So all things considered, uh, can't do much better than this, but I like your, I like your philosophy. And we're looking ahead. We can look ahead real quick, you know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn and right. And nothing, we can't take anything for granted, but, but you look at these games, games that Celtics should win Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, that's three games coming up that, that are very winnable. And then home for, for Miami, then you get revenge against the Nuggets at home. Then you get Cleveland coming. So there, there, there are some. There, there's plenty of opportunity to keep this going. Yeah, and if they, if they can stay the t- towards the top here, by the time Hayward gets back and he was out there shooting again on Monday night pregame and oh yeah, how do you look? Progressing. I mean, he looks like he's. I wouldn't be surprised for him to just show up in the starting lineup two weeks ahead of schedule i feel like based on how this is looking right now but uh and of all the of all the injuries right i mean you never like the left hand you know what right. it's okay I, I don't think i don't think any of us are worried that we're going to see a, a lesser gordon hayward when he comes back from this no which is pretty exciting right you should be able to hit the ground running after shaking off the rest for a, a night or two but um rich we're gonna say we're gonna tag you out here. I think. I think that's the plan. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. That's me slapping right. B-Jack. So uh, enjoy the, the the next twenty minutes or so. Happy Thanksgiving to you, sir. And yes. We'll be back at full strength uh, next week. All right. Later, man. All right. Now, time to welcome in uh, a special, a very special guest to the Winning Plays podcast. Tagging in for Rich Levine here, uh, the host or the co-host, I should say, of the. Newly relaunched Celtics Hub podcast. Find it on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts around the web. Brendan Jackson, welcome aboard. Thanks, man. I got some big, big L.A. sandals to fill. Uh, Rich does a great job sort of manning this pod, so I hope to uh, keep it up. I mean, you'll make up for him and Pina here, so let's be <laughs> Well, Pina, come on. Pina's nothing. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> Mike. Love you, brother. All right. So 
Rich and I were just throwing around the idea of, you know, the big picture with this team. And, you know, there's obviously talk, plenty of talk nationally that the the big man picture for this team needs to be upgraded. It's a it's a whole in terms of bulk down low. But I I wasn't so sure about that. I want to get your take on this, just looking at around the league and from uh you know, a realistic trade candidate standpoint standpoint. Do you see anyone out there that can give, you know, the Celtics more than Daniel Tice is giving them and is uh, realistically kind of attainable? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. So I, I can understand why people outside of the sort of Celtics circle could want an upgrade or look at the Celtics roster and look or maybe look at that first game against Philly and Joel Embiid and say the Celtics don't have a guy that can defend Joel Embiid. Uh, and they don't have a realistically pure center, maybe outside of uh, Enos Cantor on the roster, and we all know his his defensive limitations. So I can understand that sort of the, from the national media. I honestly don't understand people who cover the Celtics who feel like they're one step away from uh, from a big man, you know, uh, able to get someone a uh, big man upgrade in order to make this team a contender. I think I heard not to not to dump on Chris Mannix, but I think I heard Chris Mannix saying that they need to upgrade the center position. I got to be honest, Ryan DeGamma on our last pod said <laughs> uh Daniel Tice was the most important uh member of the Celtics on the Clippers during the Clippers game. And <laughs> I sort of laughed it off, but he did have a great game. So I mean, I, defense defensively, I like you can make the the case for him because there is. I mean, we saw in that Kings game on Monday night, like you don't, you know, Time Lord isn't there yet in terms of being able to do switches. Cantor is what he is on defense, so it is. There was a obviously a pretty glaring hole in the middle during crunch time, especially. Absolutely, especially on the pick and rolls, they were getting every wide open three and. I, I made this uh, comment as well when talking about the Celtics versus the Milwaukee game. And, and uh, we killed, the Celtics killed Milwaukee uh, when putting Brooke Lopez in the pick and roll. Um, in this case, it was the pick and pop. And then the uh, Kings last night did the same thing to the Celtics. I don't know if it's just an inability or a totally total unwilling to sell out, but Enos Kanter won't hedge on picks. He won't even get an actual contest up on, you know, one of the best scores in the game right now. Uh, but he healed. It was it was really bad, I thought. And the good news is the Celtics were able to sort of scheme their way out, even without Daniel Tice being able to use that switchability. So I honestly think that's the play. You know, you asked me to go back to your original question, who's realistically out there to upgrade? I think no one. You know, to to be short, and I can go on and on about how there's no one, uh, but I think that's realistically the answer. I think it's going to be Brad Stevens needing to scheme his way out of um, teams against teams that are have really strong centers like Joel Embiid. Right, and it, I mean, you can kind of see that how this front office planned for the season in terms of okay, we're gonna we're gonna mix and match with four different centers here at low money and we're going to hope one of these guys like breaks out and like sticks here and Tice clearly has been that guy early on and obviously yes there are clear upgrades around a league um, at that spot but not for cheap money which means and so if the Celtics want to add anyone they really need to trade one of their core five pieces which is you know Smart Hayward Kemba Tatum and Jalen and I just don't see that that happening at all this year. Well, I don't think the upgrade you get for that trade, unless it's an all-timer, I don't think, I mean, the, the Celtics are 12-4 and four right now. So obviously it's working, and one can make the argument, well, we've had, the Celtics have played well without Hayward. They played well at times without Jalen. He missed a few games. They played well without Kemba. So can you really, you know, do you really need all of these guys at the expense of a hole in your roster? And the short answer is, I think, yes. Because <laughs> they're 12 and 4, but they've won a lot of close games and they've lost, uh, their four losses were really close. And they haven't really been at full strength yet. Um, and I think that's really going to 
be the difference instead of up actually trading one of those guys to upgrade uh, at the center position. So if there is an area of the roster that you would want to upgrade right now, like where would you, where would you turn? Would you think just in terms of the type of player you're looking for? Yeah, it's, it's really, it's honestly really hard because there are so many rookies on this team that are being relied on to provide bench output. And you never want to trade a rookie because you just drafted him. You obviously had faith in him. And it's it's like to trade him away early, you're afraid of selling low. Um, so if I couldn't touch any of the rookies, I would love to be able to trade Vincent Poirier. Yeah. I don't, I don't, what, you would know better than I, what are the rules around that? Like, do we have to wait a certain time or is he not on the trade block at all? So December 15th is the, the magic day where everyone is able to be traded that was signed in the off season. So he would be on that list along yeah. with, um, you know, another, like a lot of other guys, but obviously at that point, everyone across the league is eligible to be dealt, obviously assuming that they didn't just sign an extension, uh, like Jalen Brown just did. So, yeah, I mean, from a he seem I mean, he only makes two and a half million dollars, which right. but it is. But as far as like the most expendable piece on the roster right now, period, um, he's probably it. Even though, again, like they signed him for two years, that clearly they like him. Maybe has more of a long term project here. Um, but as far as just the guy that you know, you wouldn't feel bad about taking his roster spot. That that's he's probably on the top list. I would think. And I think it's pretty clear that they did not think that they would necessarily be 12-4 and four at this point. I think maybe they thought they'd be good. Obviously, they knew they had a ton of talent. But now I think they're going to have to make some hard decisions with those rookies with a guy like Vincent Poirier. If, if there is someone that can actually contribute. And it's not even from a... From a money standpoint at that point because you might be getting into later on this season buyout candidates sure and it's really now it's a roster spot problem because you got guys that everyone loves like javante green uh carson edwards grant williams and i'm not necessarily thinking they're going to give up on grant williams or carson edwards necessarily but they will have to get rid of a roster spot Um, I was thinking about this if they wanted to add someone. uh, And I was thinking about this in terms of uh, Tremont Waters playing so well last night against the Kings. He's on a two-way. He's ineligible for the playoffs. Um, He's only got 44 more days he can actually play up with the big club. So if you, I think he can actually help this team in the playoffs in a pinch is sort of that, um, oh my God, what's his name? The... uh, Who's the dude from Miami? Larkin, Shane Larkin. Um, sure. In sort of that Shane Larkin role where no one thought Shane Larkin was going to be relied on come playoff time, but they needed him and he stepped up. So if you think he brings, or if the Celtics think Waters brings more to the table than Vincent Poirier or Javante Green, they, I think they got to think about converting that contract into a, or an actual NBA contract. Yeah, I mean, that is, I mean, the Seas had a, was not totally similar, but a couple of years ago, Jabari Bird obviously was playing well towards the end of the year on a two-way, and there was a similar, you know, hubbub about, oh, are they going to convert it or not? And they didn't because, um, you know, they, it was probably a combination of them thinking he wasn't fully ready to help them, and it was, they wanted the long-term, you know, cost control. They didn't want to have to lose someone else and they wanted to be able to sign them. And obviously we saw how that worked out, but <laughs> I do wonder, I mean, I do wonder how, you know, Danny Ainge for the past couple of years has pretty much stood pat um, around the trade. And, you know, he's added what, like Greg Monroe, um, but no major candidates to the a roster. And it's, and not that this team like is calling for an upgrade but it's clear that there are holes here and right. beyond the big man spot and so given the the wide open nature of the east like you wonder how much you know there's going to be a shift in philosophy there where they're not going to just do a move to make a move but at the same time having four or five guys at the end of your bench that aren't going to really help you in the playoffs um it's not going to that's you, you almost owe it to the the top heavy nature of this roster to give 
Brad Stevens a little more reliable pieces to work with beyond just the rookies. Well, I would agree, except come playoff time, and I know this is super premature, I think you have seven to eight guys that you're going to play. And a lot of the, even the guys you're going to play off the bench are going to be guys that sort of spell Tice. Um, and it's sort of center by committee. Every, right. You know, every center has got six fouls, right? So <laughs> they can at least affect the game that way. But in terms of like the rotation, the actual guys to be relied on, I'm assuming, you know, that the core four are going to play more than 40 minutes a game come playoff time. So you're really looking uh, probably like 35 to 40. I mean, like no one think no one's like Stevens has been pushing harder on them this year. No question. Like you're seeing a lot of 37, 38s for the likes of Tatum, Jalen Brown for minutes. But I, I, I wouldn't see them going beyond that. Um, barring like just one of them getting having a breakout performance. So do you think that's a Stevens philosophy? Because I sort of want to go back and and look at the past playoff runs and see what the the sort of minutes per game have been. Because obviously during the Doc era, it was run them into the ground. Right. We know Tibbs <laughs> Tibbs yeah. doesn't believe in a bench. So um, so yeah, and I, I don't know. I see a guy like LeBron James, and obviously he's the greatest player of our generation and I think of all time sacrilege I know but uh he r- routinely used to play 48 minutes a game right yeah so Kyrie maxed out last year at 36 minutes per game in the playoffs um now t- with that said there were you know in some of those must win games against Milwaukee um at the garden Stevens rolled with him for an entire second half um which was obviously a mistake in hindsight for a variety of reasons, but um, yeah, like I, I, there's no question that the, the top four, top five guys are going to be playing bigger minutes, but it's beyond, you know, having Tice and the starters and smart to rely on. I'm not sure. I think having just that one extra guy that Stevens doesn't have to, you know, think about where, you know, can I count this guy for 10 or 15 minutes? Just having someone who, just has playoff experience or just adds a clear cut playoff proven skill to the C's rotation. I feel like that can make a huge difference rather than, you know, just the, the mixing and matching that has to go on on a daily basis right now that again, works in the regular season, but it'll be probably tougher to get away with beyond the first round of the playoffs. No, I mean, I totally agree, but it's the same problem with upgrading the center position. How do you do it without trading away a rotation piece or a, a, a big contract, you could trade away a guy like Cantor if you want to just get rid would, of him. Would you do that? Would that be? Would that? Would you rather have a a shooting wing or another strong ball handler type and place and then scavenge the the buyout market for another you know defensive big, or would you like just having the you know the offensive upside of Cantor? Do you feel like? I mean, right now, I think the offensive, but I think that's recency bias. I, like, right now, I'd roll with Cantor, but it could be recency bias. It could be the fact that they're playing so well, and he does provide low-post scoring. He's the only one on the roster that provides low-post scoring. Like, yes. maybe him and Jalen Brown are right. the only two people, or Smart, even, are the only three people that are going to post Even up. he hasn't posted up much this year, which is surprising. Actually, I, he probably is not super surprised. He's just taking all threes now, pretty much. Right, exactly. I mean, I think now that he's able to, and he's also being asked to, he's not really being asked to guard a a smaller guy or even a bigger guy that's just a weaker defender. Um, I just, I'm trying to think of who that guy would be that you could trade Cantor for. He makes like about $5 or Ojale, who makes like $3 or something. So who are you getting? Yeah, so I mean, that's the thing. You could... You have enough. You can cobble together probably six or seven million dollars to trade with, and then you can take. You can get a player making up to like eleven million dollars in that situation. Um, so it's not. You know, you're obviously not getting. You can't get a uh, a big name, but you can get. You know, a, a starter level player or a good. You know, bench player that's on a mid level deal. And I'm just, yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain on who that be. Uh, I would love a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, but I'm pretty sure he 
he his contract is is too big now. I think he signed that new deal. Right. But that's sort of what you're looking for because he, I think he comes off the bench now or maybe not now with Kyrie out. But that dude is a starter. <laughs> like that dude could be the best player on that team with Durant and Kyrie off the floor. So I would love a guy like that. But those sort of magic guys who are taller point guards that can score, that can shoot, that can defend they don't really exist outside of the select few. So I think if you ask me what skill do I want, it would be three and D, which I know is technically two skills, but you, there has to be a defender. Like I don't think Lou Williams or Isaiah Thomas could come on this team to provide bench scoring without, because they don't provide the necessary defense. And I think the, the Stevens defense that he's doing now is so scheme dependent that if they're not locked in or unable to sort of fill that role, the whole house of cards could sort of fall apart. So I yeah. worry about that. No, I think that's a really good point in terms of just where this identity is for this team now. I think heading into the year, we weren't sure what it was going to be, but I think it's pretty clear cut after the first month that they're going to they're gonna be winning games on the strength of their D when crunch time comes. Obviously, they can getting to shootouts and they were actually obviously number one in offense for a time in the first 10 games of the year. But as we saw, they went on that West coast trip and had the, the worst offense in the league over those five games. And part of that is Hayward being out, but it's also them kind of falling back to earth and leaning on their defense as a strength more. So like you said, you have to find someone who can kind of fit that defensive bill and like f- someone that Stevens can trust in that area. And then, hopefully have add the you know the perimeter shooting or at least the offensive upside that will make them an upgrade over pretty much any rookie on this roster right or Ojale I mean I think he's playing a little bit better as of late but I think his defense has sort of gone away he looks like sort of a a aggressive uh, willing defender but I, I I see him get beat routinely Um, and obviously he's got the bulk, but I don't really see him stopping any big guys from going over the top and his shooting has been a little bit better, but he's obviously not a knockdown stand in the corner shooter. Um, I hope he's sort of this year, he sort of grows and he was so slow in the, in the beginning of the year, he looked like he was going to play himself out of the rotation altogether, but the past couple games are pretty encouraging. So they might get, the Celtics might get lucky and they might find that three and D guy on their roster already homegrown in semi Ojale. Certainly not counting on it, but that's sort of the the role I'm looking for. And I would be willing to trade some pieces away if they were really in sort of that contending market. Like like so, I think you and Rich. I listened to some of the pod earlier, and you and Rich were talking about the contenders in the East who could be a contender. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I think there are way more contenders in the East that could, that could actually get through than we previously thought. I think Toronto and Miami are right there. Uh, And Boston's obviously right there. And everyone thought they were going to take a step back. So it's going to be really interesting. And so everyone's going to be looking for that last little piece to put them over the edge in the East. Yeah, it should create a pretty fascinating trade market from that standpoint since again given the the league being wide open for the first time in you know at least four or five years here um do you want to hear a sad stat about just like the state of the celtics bench shooting oh no do i (laughs) (laughs) what is it yes guess what the celtics rookies are shooting from three-point range uh okay so to add to sort of take an educated guess, I know Grant Williams has yet to make a three. I'm definitely mm-hmm. on that watch, uh, and he's taken a fair amount of them. Carson Edwards will be better. I know this; like I totally know he'll be better, but he's been shooting awfully. Uh, Tremont Waters missed a couple, but then made a couple. Mm, I will say they're shooting 16. percent Oh, better than you thought. Twenty twenty percent. I well, see, you sort of set me up. You yeah, know, I, I, I was probably, if you didn't <laughs> set me up, I probably would have said like, I don't know, 30, 33. Um, but yeah, 20%. 20%. And and that does not include like Cantor, Rob Williams, or Ojale, obviously. So, and Brad Wanamaker is 
only shooting 31% from three, given which obviously has played very well of late. But there's literally no one, there's not an above average shooter right now on this team that's outside the starting five, which is problematic. Yeah, but even the starting five are pretty bad shooters right now. <laughs> like, like Tatum and, and Brown have had really bad shooting nights that are bringing their averages down. Right. I sort of think, I, I can't wait for the one game. There's going to be at least one game this season, and probably a whole string of them, where they put it all together and they're blowing teams out. It's like 140 to 90 because they hit all these open shots yeah. that they're missing right now. I feel like uh, that was the second half of the Milwaukee game. Right. Yep. Like that's when again everything just came together, and they were just uh, blowing them away for the better part of twenty four minutes. But yeah, the encouraging fact is, I mean, we haven't seen much of everyone being healthy since Jalen obviously missed time early on, and then Gordon broke the hand. Um, but there has been a lot more chemistry amongst the the starting wings than we saw pretty much at all last year, and so just having that cohesiveness and seeing that improvement from the guys that matter most in this team. That's, that's the encouraging sign if you're the front office right now, because it is, those are the parts that matter the most for both the, the present and the future. And now, you know, finding the supplemental pieces to put around them is realistic. And you, again, you have, you have three first round picks potentially next year. You're not touching the Memphis pick. I don't think in any of these scenarios, but like you have your own pick and, the Milwaukee pick next year. So like either one of those things with some salary fillers could bring you back something, not just a rental, but like something that could be a good supporting piece for you, you know, for another couple of years if you resign them. Yeah. That's interesting. I sort of feel like it's hard to get, uh, make a move as a GM that benefits you now and in the long run. So I think Danny Ainge is going to have to make a decision at some point you know, is this team actually for real? Could we get to the finals? Because I think even a finals appearance and getting slaughtered by the West is worth mortgaging some future. I agree, not the Memphis pick. But if you have getting to the finals and getting slaughtered on, on one side of the coin, and the other side of the coin is uh, getting a guy that can help you out maybe two years down the road, I think you pick... But not a star, let's be clear. I think you pick the getting to the finals. I think the feeling of these young players getting to the finals and being like, wow, we can do this without Kyrie Irving or without Al Horford, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, you're pretty stocked with rock rookies as it is. So, like, adding three more rookies to next year's roster doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Got to so. do some draft and stashing. We, you know, we got away with that because, uh, or we got away from that because Zizic and Yabusele turned out so poorly. But I would love to a couple of nice draft and stashes, or just trade it. Like, right, exactly. Trade a couple and a and a younger player for a, a guy that can help you. And that is, I mean, we'll see. There's gonna be time. The, the, I guess the the question is gonna be how. What's the how stiff is the market out there? Like how there's clearly going to be competition for upgrades, you know, through you know several teams in the East and the West as well. And how aggressive are teams going to be? How many guys are going to be out there? But there's going to be, I mean, pretty much you look around both conferences right now. Like everyone on the Warriors will be for sale. Everyone on the Grizzlies, any veteran on those teams will be for sale. Any veteran on the Knicks. Cavs again I'm not sure how many appealing pieces there actually are on those teams but they will definitely be plenty of names floating out there sooner than later here I mean the guy I'm really looking at and I think it boils down to not it's not just a um it's not just a trade market it's a buyout market that the Celtics really need to look at because they're so sort of cap strapped and the guys that are movable you don't want to move like Marcus Smart who makes like 12 mil so I, I, I give the Celtics maybe a 5% chance of luring him in. But say Tristan Thompson gets bought out. I'm pretty sure he's in the last year of his deal. 
mm-hmm. that I think he's making like 18 million now. So that's obviously going to be prorated. So it's not going to be 18 million that, that the Cavs will have to pony up. You would think if he gets bought out, he's going to the Lakers to go play with his buddy, LeBron James and the best player and Anthony Davis. That sounds really appealing. But for whatever reason, if he wanted a bigger role, I mean, he would easily start in slide into that starting center position. I yeah, think that is it's a good point. It's like the Celtics center position here to give really big minutes to a big, um, if he's good. I guess the one worry I have with Thompson is honestly he he's almost playing too well to the point where the Cavs should be able to trade him for something. Oh, I see. Like actually so, get some. Actually get something, right? Because you'd think some of the like, I mean. Some team out there in either conference could clearly use him as a big. Oh, again, his salary may make it tricky. He's because he's making close to twenty million and making the math work for a guy you want to give up that um, in that range is dicey, especially if that guy's currently helping your team. But um, I'm with you in terms of if he, you know, if that falls through and they just want to save the money and don't want to take on any more money themselves for the long term. Maybe they buy him out, and you can say, "Hey, you can play thirty minutes a game here, and uh, play everyone in the playoffs, and make yourself a lot of money for, you know, your next final contract of your career potentially." Right, that is definitely the selling point, and I think the Cavs. The only reason the Cavs really do it, I think, is just to be, you know, good citizens. He was their draft pick. I think he was like yeah. third overall or something, and they're obviously not going anywhere anytime soon. So. He, I don't think he's re-signing there. I don't think they're going to give him big money. I think someone will give him pretty good money, but uh, they, I think they did. They max him out. Did LeBron make him max him out? Something. Like he didn't that. get a full max, but he, he got a lot. It was like yeah. a big. It was a definitely an overpay. Um, right for him and Jr. back in the day. <laughs> Jr. Oh my god! But uh, it is that's that yeah, right. That's a. Uh, but it is. It will be a fascinating mark, and there's a lot of teams again that. Are kind of just on the fringe, like you know. I mean, the the Magic are six and ten, and they're in the eighth seed in the in the East right now. So insane, you, yeah. <laughs> so at some point, there's going to be you know some teams going to get going there and turn that into a respectable spot, and um, someone else is going to you know Detroit, Charlotte, right? Detroit, like isn't like, Detroit supposed to make a leap when they get Griffin back? I, I mean, DeAndre uh, Andre Drummond is playing pretty well. Yeah. I mean, Blake's played five games here, and he's—I mean—he hasn't looked good, but they've—they're uh, clearly just not a good team right now. Like, they're subpar on offense and defense, and and Reggie Jackson is hurt for the hundredth time in his career. So yeah, but our BC loyalty notwithstanding, I don't know if Reggie Jackson's no. really helping you. I mean, he's not exactly. He's just not good. I don't know if he was ever very good to begin with in the NBA, but. Yeah, it's it's there's going to be obviously plenty of sellable parts beyond the stars in another team too, and again, you'll you'll we'll find out in probably another month, you know, what's going to shake out there. But it wouldn't surprise me to see a lot of these teams looking just to to get what they can for spare parts early on, and and kind of get a jump on the trade market. I know. I'm really excited to see who blinks first, the Celtics or the Heat. I think both are 12 and 4, both are playing well, both have young exciting players. It's like who is going to regress or act their age quicker. I want to say the Heat cuz they're younger with uh Adebayo and uh Harrow, but who knows? <laughs> they have Jimmy Butler. <laughs> they do. Then they have a good system, well coached. It's yep. it's they're uh a fun addition to the top of the East party. All right, before we wrap here, uh, it's just so great to see you and Ryan DeGamma back for the Celtics Hub podcast relaunch. What? How many episodes? You guys are, what, five episodes in now? Yeah, thanks, Canada? man. Thank you. Yeah, five episodes. One is from 2014. Ooh, so a great listen. <laughs> yeah. The story behind that is we did one episode in 2014, and we never did another one. So I talked to Ryan a few weeks ago and said, hey, any interest? I kind of want to do this again. And he was game. And so we did a follow-up five years later. 
And you were actually, you were a part of that. Yeah. You were my first interview. So thanks, man. Uh, and yeah, Celtics Hub Pod. Um, you can email us at uh, Celtics Hub Pod at gmail.com. Appreciate any listens. Appreciate any feedback. Um, and thanks, man. I really appreciate it, B. And episodes are coming out usually on Mondays or? Yeah, we record Monday, uh, excuse me, Sunday, uh, whether it be in the morning or night. It's usually scheduled around the Pats game, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I try to interview someone uh, around Celtics media elite. So, so far I've interviewed you, Brian Robb of Boston Sports Journal. I've interviewed Jay King of The Athletic, Jared Weiss of The Athletic, uh, Michael Pina of various uh of, uh, or I guess of SB winning Nation. plays pod, <laughs> you know, of winning plays pod fame and SB Nation, and obviously he's starting a, his own podcast with um, Ben Golliver. That's the latest with SI. That's awesome. Uh, that's right, right? I yep. got that right. All right, good. Yep. I don't want to say the wrong podcast for Mike's sake, but uh, he's dodging me just because he's got some big time. He said he would do the pod, but he hasn't. So this is me talking shit about Mike Pina on his own podcast. Get on my pod, Mike. Wow. That's, that's a call out to end it. We'll see Sorry, he, Mike. I love you. We'll see. We'll make sure if he's listening to this, he'll hear that one. But uh, yeah, definitely check it out, folks. Celtics Hub Podcast uh, to add to your NBA podcast listening collection. And we will be back with you guys uh, at full strength for next week to, to talk about some games against the Kyrie less nets but B Jack's pleasure to have you on here you'll be back sooner than later I hope uh checking in as always and we'll get back talking to you guys next week have a good Thanksgiving everyone